Today is part four of our series, It Takes Faith. I'm going to do a little bit of a recap for us, and then we're going to get into some new content. Uh, in week one, faith is not a one-time event, but it's a lifestyle that we're supposed to have. Habakkuk teaches us that the just shall live by faith. Not just operate in faith, but live by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So if faith is a substance, faith has a substance. So whatever you pull your faith from is the substance that it is attached to. We've talked about that three weeks in a row now. So hopefully you've gotten that part and you can memorize it. You can quote it back to me by now. But some of these things are just kind of fundamental in what we're doing. I want to make sure that we get it. So if you are attached to a substance of lack... Whenever you pull your faith from something, what is it going to be attached to? Lack. If you pull your faith from a substance of doubt, where you just doubt what's taking place, what is your faith going to pull from? Doubt. If you pull your faith from a substance of supply, what are you going to pull your faith from? Supply. Whatever your substance is attached to is what your faith is pulled out of. So whenever you get into the Word of God and you get the promises of God in you, where do you begin to pull your faith from? The Word of God that's inside of you. So whatever faith you are needing for the situation you're going through, you get into the Word of God and that becomes the substance you attach your faith to. So whenever you are saying something in faith, the word that is spoken creates an action in heaven and the manifestation takes place on earth. We all clear on that? That was week one. So week two, we looked at how do we grow our faith? And we do that two ways. Reading the word of God and exercising what you read. Read the word, exercise what you read. Read the word. You can't just say you have faith. Faith is an action. You have to put your faith into motion of that which you are speaking. When you get in the Word of God, you need the revealed Word of God in your life to bring about the situation of faith that you need for the outcome to take place the way the Word of God is supposed to say it is in your soul. You got that? We learned that we all have a measure of faith, but what you decide to do with that measure of faith is up to me. No, it's up to you. It is up. Whatever you decide to do with the measure of faith that you are given is up to you. And then last week, we looked at fighting the good fight of faith. And it boiled down to this. There is a gap between the plan of God for your life and the promise of God for your life. And that is where the good fight of faith takes place. That's where we grow in our faith. And we looked at the example of Jesus cursing the fig tree. This was the first time that the disciples saw Jesus say something and the outcome of what he said did not manifest ex uh, exact, not, uh, immediately whenever he said it. So he spoke to the tree, he cursed the tree, and it took a day for the manifestation to take place. But what God spoke, or what Jesus spoke in faith, began to work in the root, what of you could not see. Remember that? If you want to read or, or watch or listen to the rest of it, pathwaychurchok.com, there are some great, I'm, I'm just going to kind of make myself look like a nerd for a second. I go back and listen to these. One, to judge myself. Be like, man, you stink at what you're doing. You got to work on this. Number two, because there are things that are said, I'm just like, oh, that, that's good stuff. 
please go back. I, I, a lot of stuff is not in my notes. It just come, You guys pull it out of me. You guys, you guys are all right. We'll keep you around. And so you pull this stuff. Go back and check it out. Go back and watch those things. So today we start week number four. We want to stay in the same vein of believing that it takes faith, but it takes faith for many different things. It takes faith to make for, for a miracle to happen. It takes faith for your marriage to stay where it needs to be. It takes faith uh, for your career, but there's one area that we want to look at and focus on today, and that is faith for your calling. Say calling. Faith for your calling. Every one of us have a calling by God. Some of you know exactly what that calling is, and others, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kind of floating around, like whatever happens, happens, and whatever the day brings, it shall be, and whatever it is, it is what it is. So no matter where you're at on that spectrum, it's okay. Not a problem. The, the, the process that we have to go through from the plan of God that has been decreed and the promise of God that is completed is the good fight of faith. The good fight of faith is not just something that you're fighting for uh, from the aspect of I'm believing God for a miracle or something. You fight the good fight of faith when it comes to what God has called you to do and what God has called you to be. And so today we're going to look at the life of Joseph. Remember Joseph in the Bible, in the book of Genesis? Uh, you may know the story, and we're going to kind of go through it a bit. We're going to jump all the way around, all back and forth. Um, if you don't want to go with me and read it later, uh, you can go buy the Prince of Egypt movie, the cartoon, and watch it. Kind of get the basic gist. Uh, have you ever seen the Prince of Egypt? Prince no? Of Prince of Dreams. See? You guys see it? That's what inspired this. I watched it the other day, and that's what... No. The, the short story or the Cliff Notes version is, if you've got a, a short attention span like Terrence, is that Joseph went through a lot of pain. <laughs> and, and he was given a dream at a young age, and the dream was not fulfilled for 15 years later. The gap between the plan of God that God gave him and the promise of God was developed over a period of time. But God had to allow Joseph to go through some things so he could understand to fulfill the calling that he was destined to walk in. So we're going to look at the story. Um, we're not going to follow along with notes or anything. You're just going to have to follow along with what I say. What I'm saying is Bible, so just be trusting with me. Uh, when Joseph was only a boy, he had a dream. And that the dream was that the older brothers, he was the youngest, he had these older brothers, that they would bow down before him. And Joseph had this brilliant idea of being the young boy that he was. He went and told his brothers, hey, guess what? You're going to bow down to me. Shows you right there his maturity level. That's just dumb on any sort of the, any sort of the well. I would never go to my brother and say, "Hey, you're going to go work for me one day." Like, he's older than me. That, that's not even the culture of what took place back in the day. The in that culture, the oldest boy, the, the senior boy, the, the firstborn was the prized possession. The firstborn was the one who was heir to the throne uh, of the family wealth. The firstborn is the one who set the standard for what the rest of the brothers were going to do. And here is the youngest of all the brothers coming to. The, the older brothers and saying, hey, guess what? You guys are going to bow down to me. Not going to happen. And then a little while later, Joseph has a second dream. And in this dream, again, the brothers bow down to him. His mother bow down, bows down to him and his father bows down to him. 
And, and Joseph, again, being so bright and intelligent, thought he should go tell all the family members, hey, guess what? I'm like 12 years old, but you guys are going to bow down to me. And mom and dad, you are too. And the brothers were like, ah, we're, we're done. We're done here. <laughs> okay, so we're going to go out tend to the sheep like we normally do, however we do our sheepy thing out here. And we're going to devise a plan that Joseph ain't going to show back up. And the brothers got mad. They were sick of the nonsense. They said, I'm done with this. And they devised a plan. They threw him in a pit. They're like, do we kill him? No, we don't want to kill him. Like, that's just kind of like, that's, you know, that's, that's taking it too far. But like, what should we do? So they decided to take this 17-year-old boy and sell him into Egyptian slavery. Whenever... Um, the boys, the, the, the brothers got back. They told Joseph, dad named Jacob. They told Jacob, I'm sorry, dad, but uh, Joseph's been killed by a pack of wild animals. Um, he's not going to be, I'm sorry. And, and Jacob was hurt. I mean, Joseph was his prized son. Joseph was the son that he loved. And here we have Joseph sold off into slavery in Egypt. And whenever he gets to Egypt, he's actually purchased by a man named Potiphar. Kind of a weird name, isn't it? <laughs> Potiphar was in command of Pharaoh's army and allegiance. So Potiphar was pretty high. If you're going to be, um, going to be purchased by someone, Potiphar's a good guy to be purchased by because you're going to be working in the Pharaoh's temple. You're going to be working in a pretty good environment where things aren't as harsh as where everyone else is. So Joseph is purchased by Potiphar at 17 years old. And then one day while Joseph is working, Pharaoh's wife looks at Joseph and she likes what she sees. Jo uh, Pharaoh's wife tries to make an advance on Joseph. Joseph turns down. He rejects the advance of Pharaoh's wife. And what does this make Pharaoh's wife do? Well, she's got to start fighting for herself because if, if Joseph were to go tell the Pharaoh that she tried to make an advance on him, she would be cast out and have all sorts of brutal intentions done to her. And so she comes with this story that Joseph came after her, that Joseph was following after me. And so she goes and tells Pharaoh, this slave boy that Potiphar purchased, he came and made an advance on me. And Pharaoh, being the man of the house, said, oh, Heck no, you're going to prison, boy. You're not going to interrupt my family's life. And so Potiphar and Pharaoh, they send Joseph to prison. This falsely accused Joseph. And then one night, Pharaoh had a dream. He couldn't shake this dream. It, it scared him. And so Pharaoh brought in all the magi, all his sorcerers, all of his uh, smartest people to interpret the dream, and none of them could do it. The dream was so real to Pharaoh that he said, I will give whatever the person wants if they can interpret this dream. Literally, I will give away half of my kingdom if they can interpret this dream. One of the men said, there's a man in prison who can interpret the dream. He's interpreted our dreams, and they were accurate. So Pharaoh called this man, and it was Joseph, who he had thrown in prison nearly two years earlier. He had forgotten all about him. But Pharaoh, desperate for help, says, Joseph, here's the dream. 
And then Joseph immediately begins to interpret it. You're going to have seven years of prosperity, seven years of famine. You need to use this first seven years to prepare for the next. Begins to tell Pharaoh what the dream meant and everything resonated with Pharaoh. And Pharaoh, because Joseph had great spiritual authority, gave him one of the highest honors of influence in the Egyptian royalty. The story is absolutely amazing. But the question I want to ask you today is, when Joseph was sold into slavery, did Joseph have the wisdom to run all of Egypt at just 17 years old? No. He did not... He didn't have the maturity. He lacked the experience. He didn't understand large tasks. And he, he was very underqualified for such a position. Joseph is a great example of learning how to fight the good fight of faith. From the sound of it, being sold into slavery, being falsely accused, thrown into prison, that sounds pretty terrible. But the, the, the favorite part of the story that, that often gets overlooked, that God's hand is on Joseph the entire time, and bad things still happen to him, even when God's hand's upon his life. You may be thinking, if God's hand's on Joseph and bad stuff still happens, I don't know if I want God's hand on me. <laughs> you know? We've all thought it. Don't lie to me. Don't act all holier than thou in here. Here's what we fail to realize when, when we're fighting the good fight of faith. There's a process that we have to grow through. There's a process that we have to grow through. Some people go through it, but if we want to be used by God and reach the level of influence that God wants us to have, we don't go through trials, we grow through trials. You see the big difference? Our growth does not happen automatically. We talked about it two weeks ago. We are each given a measure of faith, but what you decide to do with it is up to you. So let's dive into the story a little bit more. Joseph was given a measure of faith. As a child, he had a dream. He understood that God's hand was upon his life. But he knew he was destined for more. Everything in the natural looked as if things were going against Joseph. Kicked out of his house. Thrown into a pit. Sold into slavery. Thrown into a prison. Falsely accused. But through it all, Joseph remained close to God. Remember, I just said it. You were given a measure of faith, but what you decide to do with it is up to you. You can choose to grow or you can stay where you're at. Joseph took the obstacles that came his way and he grew in his faith. By choosing to remain close to God, it allowed him to get to the highest influence in all of Egypt. Let's look at how Joseph grew in his faith. Joseph's brothers despised him three different times. The part of the story I didn't tell you, but you all know it, is Joseph was given a coat of many colors. You've heard this story. Uh, you've, in, in Bible school or in daycare or in, in kids' church, you always hear the coat of many colors. Joseph and the coat of many colors. What did the coat of many colors represent? Anybody remember? Authority. It's close. The coat of many colors represented authority over the tribes. So 
technically close. I'm going to give you half a point. So, whenever the brothers saw that their dad gave Joseph the coat of authority, that was the first line of, you know? You, you, are you, anybody have an older, older sibling? Do you understand? Or maybe you are the older sibling? Okay. So that's the first line of like, stab me in the back. Like, really? Why, why are you going to do that? Why are you going to give it to him? I'm the oldest one. I'm the one running the family. I'm the one tending the sheep. I'm the one taking care of all this stuff. Why are you giving him the code of authority? So this was the first level. And then Joseph talks about the brothers bowing down to him. And then they're reminded that Joseph thinks he's an authority over them. So that kind of ticked him off again. And then uh, 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 the coat that Joseph had would be the coat that the brothers would give back to the father. Because they ripped it off of him and said the wild beast took him. We tell our kids all the time, you're going to do great things for the kingdom of God. You're, we, we, we read in books about pastors. Will you get me, Dr. Pepper? My blood sugar's dropping. I'm having a hard time thinking. Will, will, will you, or we, we tell the kids, you're, you're going to do great things. We read the Bible to them. We read them stories. We read them about other pastors, about other leaders. What am I doing? I'm speaking into their life. When Jacob gave Joseph the coat, he was speaking into the future of what Joseph was going to be. Jacob never understood the full extent of what that looked like, but he trusted God and he spoke into something that the brothers and the family members did not see. The, the second time was when Joseph told his family about the dream the first dream. This ticked the brothers off. They began to devise a plan that would stop the dream from taking place. And then they told him again the third time. You're going to bow down to me. The anger and the rage that the brothers begin to build up. They said, we've got to get rid of him. We cannot keep him in our family. So Joseph was despised three times. Rejected by his family. It's kind of hard to overcome. Anybody been rejected? Yeah, we've all been there. Sometimes those closest to you be, will be the ones that throw you out the fastest. But Joseph didn't let that get him down. Joseph didn't let what others said, what others did affect him. He remained close to God. You have to be careful who you surround yourself with. I had a friend tell me a long time ago, you can't fly with eagles when you're working with turkeys. The first occasion that Joseph was despised in would have been enough for the brothers to take him out. The second dream, the third dream. So three times, Joseph's family turned against him. But check this out. Three times, God used him in the house of Pharaoh. Okay, we're going to watch. We're going to see this. The first occasion happened while Joseph was serving in Potiphar's house. The Bible says that everything that Joseph did became a success. I actually had that as one of my life verses. I pray it all the time that David said that everything my hand touches be successful. 
So just a little precursor there, a little thought out. Uh, Joseph found great favor with Potiphar, so much that Joseph was put over all the household and everything that Potiphar owned. Genesis 39 says, the Bible shows us that the blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in-house and in the field. During this time, Joseph was learning how to fight the good fight of faith. He had no idea that the fight was teaching him about his calling. Follow me. He was staying consistent with God. He was growing in favor with God and man. He was learning how to oversee crops in the field on a small scale. He was learning how to manage people on a small scale. Up until this point, Joseph had never done that. He was just a sheep taker. That's all he did. He just took care of his dad's sheep. And for the first time, he's learning on a small scale how to manage people, how to manage crops. I don't know if you see where I'm going with this. God had to take him through a process to learn on a smaller scale for what was going to be used later on a much larger scale. The second occasion took place during the two years in prison. He was thrown into prison. We said a while ago by Pharaoh's wife because he tried to make an advance. She didn't, he, she didn't really do it. The Bible teaches us that the prison warden gave great favor to Joseph. It says in, in, in uh, verse 21, the Lord was with Joseph. So while he is in prison, two other people are thrown into prison with him. The cupbearer and the, the baker. Two people who were very close to Pharaoh. While they are in prison, uh, the Bible doesn't tell us why they're thrown there, but I can say it this way, because God had a plan and he was beginning to fulfill the plan. So the person who cooked for Pharaoh had to be trusted, because very easily that person could have poisoned Pharaoh at any time. The person who was the cupbearer had to be a trusted person. Again, they could have poisoned Pharaoh. So these people had to be very trusted. And while Joseph is in prison with the two men, both of these men had dreams. The next day when they woke up, neither one of them understood what the dreams meant. And they told the dreams to Joseph and Joseph interpreted their dreams for them. And what he said came to be. A little while later, Pharaoh called one of the one of the men to come to him to restore him to begin to work closely with Pharaoh again. It was during this time while Joseph was in prison that God was setting up the scene for what was to come next. He was putting people in the right position. He was moving things around. If the cupbearer or the baker had never been thrown into prison, they would never have known that Joseph was the one who could have interpreted the dream. So the only way that Pharaoh uh, was to have known was to have someone close to him that who could speak into his life tell him that someone could interpret his dream. You or I could have never spoken with Pharaoh, but someone who was close to him could. So the, the gentleman that was in prison got out, and now he had the ability to speak into Pharaoh's life. Pharaoh has this dream, and the person who could speak into his life said, I know, Joseph. He interpreted the dream, and it came to be. Do you see where I'm going with this? God uses people for you to fulfill your purpose. There are people in your life right now that God wants to use to be a part of fulfilling your purpose. God created us for relationships. 
He created us to love each other, to pray for one another. What if the prisoners, when they were thrown into prison, if Joseph never did anything with them? What would have happened? They would have never known that Joseph could interpret the dream. And when it came time for Pharaoh's dream to be revealed, Pharaoh would have never known that Joseph could be the one to interpret the dream. Don't count the people out of your life that God has put in there. The third occasion was Joseph interprets the dream and with great Pharaoh or great favor with the Pharaoh. When God has a plan for your life, he will use people to bring about that plan. He will use the places that you're in. He will use the people that are in your sphere of influence to bring about the plan for your life, the calling that's upon your life. After Pharaoh's dream was interpreted, he believed that Joseph had great spiritual power and wisdom. And he said, you've got the highest position of honor in all of Egypt. Whatever you say goes. It would have never happened if he wouldn't have been thrown into prison. It would have never happened if he wouldn't have been sold into slavery. It would have never happened if he wouldn't have had the dream at 13 years old. There is a fight that we have to fight in order to fulfill the calling that God has for our lives. That fight may take 15, 18, 20, 30, 40 years for the fruition to come. But Joseph remained close to God. A 17-year-old boy in Joseph's condition could have never been the one who oversaw all of Egypt, who oversaw the wealth and the famine, who helped many areas of land and tribes around them. Could have never done that. But a 30-year-old man who had learned how to trust God along the way understood that God's hand was upon his life. And when he understood that God's hand was upon his life, after winning the small victories, the big one was effortless. God prepared him along the way. What we look at is God's hand was upon his life. I was thrown into prison. God's hand can't be on your life. I was told that I was accused of something. God's hand's not on your life. God had a greater plan. And he was allowing the, the things around him to set him up to get him in position for the greatest miracle he'd ever seen. When you're learning how to fight the good fight of faith. There is a process that we have to grow through. Family betrayal, accusations. You may be thinking, man, I've, I've been down some of that. My family's betrayed me. I've been accused of things. Things have been said. Things have happened here. Things. Have... Why, God, did you let this happen? God's doing it to teach you something. Are you going to remain close to him? Are you going to take the measure of faith that you were given and develop it? Or are you going to squander it and get mad? I can't believe that. Why did God let this happen? There's greater purpose that you can't see. Joseph stewarded the gifts that God gave him. He stewarded the opportunities that God gave him. When he did this, his faith was developed. There are gifts in your life that God has put in you that need to be developed. There's a calling on the inside of you that needs to come out. 
But have you squandered it? Or have you remained close to God with it? I have to admit that that is exactly what I'm doing right now. When my dad called me the second week in January and said, I need you to start teaching. <laughs> no, I'm good, thanks. Um, and about 30 minutes later, I called him back. And I was like, Dad, we got this. God's going to do something. Dad, Dad, we got that. You don't worry about a thing. We're going to build this church. God's going to build this church. Lives are going to be transformed. You've ne I've never preached before, but that's okay. I'm going to say a lot of stupid stuff. That's okay. I'm going to be and act stupid a lot of times. That's okay because I would rather move forward in the faith that God has put in me than allow it to be sat there and squandered and nothing happened. One day I'm going to stand before God and he's going to say, what did you do with the gifts that I gave you? And I would hate to sit there and say nothing. So whenever you're growing through the process of becoming what God has called you to become, there are going to be times that seem like you're thrown into prison. You want to touch my back and see how sweaty it is right now? Yeah, this makes me nervous. This makes me scared. I am stepping out of my comfort zone because God has put something on the inside of me and I've got to put myself in a position for God to pull it out of me to become what God has called me to become. I... I want a church full of people that are operating in their giftings. We need a church full of people that are saying, God, I'm remaining close to you. It, it, it looks like in the natural. We talked about it in the fig tree. When you came up to it, it looked like nothing was taking place, but God was doing something under the, under the ground. God, it looks like there's nothing going on in my situation right now, but God, I'm going to remain faithful to what your word says. I'm not going to give up that you have put upon my life. I want the measure of faith that God gave me to be developed so I can become a powerhouse for the kingdom of God. I want the measure of faith that God gave me to say, God, look at me. Oh, man, I'm so pleased. I'm so happy I gave it to him because he used it. He went with it. How terrible would it be for God to say, I'm standing in front of him one day and say, how come you didn't use the gifts? And he said, I had to find somebody else to do what I've called you to do. God has a plan and a calling for your life. Don't make him find somebody else to do what he's called you to do. The story about Joseph isn't a story to look at how great Joseph is. The story about Joseph is to look when you remain close to God how faithful God is. It may not look like it, but I don't know if you know the story. Joseph, like he was it, man. Like, you didn't get any higher. Like he higher than the highest, like Pharaoh, like, and then him. In the day, Egypt was the, 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 the biggest land territory, they had the most money, they had the most calves, they had the most farm animals, they had the most ag. This was, this was bigger than big. But Joseph could have never gotten there if he didn't develop his faith along the way. So, you want to get ready to pass those things out. So, today, 
there is a call of God on your life. And this call of God upon your life is either about to be flourished or it's about to be squandered. I told Adrienne, I think I told this to Travis too a couple weeks ago. No, this was, I talked, we talked about it yesterday. I said, I don't want a church that people just come in every week and go to church and then go live their life. That's anywhere. I'm not going to give my life for that. I want a church where people are operating in their calling, where people are operating in their giftings, not just showing up on Sunday singing Kumbaya and, oh, I feel a little inspired. Okay, I'm going to have a good week. But rather, this week is my week to fulfill my calling, to do what God's called me to do. That way, when I stand before God, he doesn't say, hey, congratulations, you attended church consistently. <laughs> no. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. So on this little handout, I want you to put your name on it. Everyone's going to do this, please. There's three questions. What is my ministerial calling? You can take out that word ministerial, but I put it in there for a reason. Because you might be called, I'll use you, Terrence. Terrence is called to be an electrician. That's his career. He's good at it. But that's not his ministerial calling. Inside of being an electrician, I don't know if this is right, but his calling is to influence people when he's in their, in their houses and not. So I'm not looking for your career calling. I'm looking for your ministerial calling. Does that make sense? Is that how we should word that? Does that make sense, Terrence? I'm asking you because you're the low man on the totem pole here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if Terrence gets it, we all get it. So, <laughs> How'd you play golf yesterday? Okay, we're good. All right, okay. <laughs> so I want you to write down on there what your ministerial calling is. And here's, here's the bottom line. If you don't know, that's okay. Put, I don't know. That's not your way out. I saw more people start writing when I say that. That's not your way out. And then the question number two, and I'm going to give you a couple minutes to go through this. Where is my ministerial calling best utilized? Where can I function the best in the calling that God has for me? At church, on the streets, uh, in people's homes, um, in my career, uh, wherever that is. Just, just write it on there. And then number three is how can I start operating in my calling? What is my next step? What is the first thing I need to do to start operating in my calling? Thank you for tuning in today. For more content like this, visit our website, www.pathwaychurchok.com, to see the variety of ways you can download this content and so much more. It's our pleasure that you would tune in, and we believe that if you take the content you just heard, write down the parts that spoke to you, and work on a plan to apply it, you will not be the same person a year from now. We hope today you can take this content, apply it, share it, let it change you, and you can become all God has called you to become. Thank you again for tuning in. We'll be together again soon. Until then, keep growing.